Hello, and welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. Join us as we explore God's Word, providing practical teaching for day-to-day living. The message you are about to hear was recorded live at our Sunday morning worship experience. If you would like to learn more about Salt Church, please visit us at saltchurch.org. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. Today, I kind of wanted to steer, and I was kind of praying about it as I was, I was planning the series out, what, what to talk about, and, and I actually was going another direction with it uh, this week, and, and I kind of paused, and uh, uh, God, God was uh, sharing some things for him, with me as I was reading Scripture and, and uh, um, uh, listening to some messages, and you know, I kind of go into my little place, and I start reading, and, and he, and he, he kind of spoke to me on this. Uh, and the title of the message is, What's My Part? What's my part? What's my part? Uh, uh, God, uh, uh, the question is, does God do it all or do we have a part in it? In, in the 1956 film, Alfred Hitchcock film, The Men, or The Man Who Knew Too Much premiered uh, that year. And uh, Doris Day sang this song, Que Sera Sera. Que Sera Sera. Any of you have heard or know that song? And uh, yeah, yeah, some of you uh, movie buffs probably get that. And uh, um, and it just translated, whatever will be, will be. And there are Christians who, who believe this about the Christian life. Whatever will be, will be. There's actually teachings on this. Whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. You know, we just go through life and God's just going to do what he's going to do. And we really don't have that much of a part of what he's already planned and what he's already doing. Uh, and the answer to that is that's absolutely wrong. Uh, in practicality, if, if you are going to have a good marriage, uh, you need to work on your marriage, right? <laughs> you got to be a part of that. It isn't a case or sarah moment, right? If you're going to be financially blessed, what does that mean? You need to tithe and you need to give. If you expect God to do his part, you got to be a part of that process, right? Um, so the point is, it's, it's not all God. It's not all God. So if God is completely in control, uh, what's my part? If God is completely sovereign, what's my part? How am I a part of the process? So uh, what we understand about God is that he is sovereign. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, he's faithful, he's good, he's merciful, he's gracious, and he's all these things. So if he is all these things that we understand about him, uh, uh, what's my part? How am I a part of this? Uh, There's a music recording artist uh, named Steve Green. Um, he's really popular in the Christian world, won multi, uh, multiple, he's won Grammys and Dove Awards. And, and uh, he shared a story one time about, um, he had this uh, sense of false humility he discovered about himself. It was unintentional, he didn't even know it. But uh, as he would come off stage or when he was around, people would just like, wow, that was great. That was so good. You're so good. He said, it's all God. It's all God. Have you ever met anybody like that? It's just like, it's all God. Every time they compliment you, it's all God. And he would do that. And, and uh, he said one day he came off the stage and a man was standing there by the stage. And he says, Steve, that was so good. He said, brother, 
that was all God. The man said, well, it wasn't that good. (laughs) He said, well, he thought about that for a second. He said, you know, you're right. If it was all God, I wouldn't went flat on that one note. So I know it's not all God. Um, So we have a part in it. And uh, today I want to kind of give you three things or uh, 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 that, that can kind of communicate that uh, it, it's not all God. But I want to start off with number one by saying that God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything. We understand him, and if you go to seminary, Theology 101, you, you learn about God. It, it, it's God is self-existent, meaning he's, he, he doesn't need anything to, to exist, right? He, he existed before time. Uh, he continues to exist, and that's that's a big theological concept about God. He's self-sufficient, right? He he, he doesn't need he, he can uh, he satisfies himself. He, he's sufficient in his own being. Uh, he's self-sustaining. He can sustain himself, and we understand this as he is eternal. That's one of the attributes of God. He is eternal. He is an eternal God, and in fact, Psalm ninety. Just to give you some Bible to to, to represent that, and it's all over the Bible, but Psalm. 92 says this Psalm 90 verse 2 for everlast, from everlasting to everlasting you are God from everlasting he is he has always been God and Colossians 1 16 says all things were made through him and for him everything came from him he's self-existent he is eternal he is he doesn't need anything that's what we understand about God he doesn't need anything um, Pastor Robert Morris, uh, if you're familiar with Gateway Church and, um, and their worship movement and things like that from Dallas, Texas, he great Bible teacher. He was sharing a story where he was on a cruise ship with his uh, um, parents and his wife, and they were just having, they were going out in the Alaskan Riviera, and he was looking at the beauty of the Alaskan Riviera, just, just, just the the how big nature is. And if any of you have been there, I haven't been there yet, but anybody who's gone there, just how huge, how miraculous and how wonderful it is. And he's just looking at all the different stuff there. And he's, he just kind of looks up at God and he says, God, you, you don't need anything. You don't need anything. You're so big. You, you, you just don't need anything. And he said, you heard God tell him, uh, I need you. He said, God, and I love how he put this. He said, I started arguing with God theologically. <laughs> he said, God, let me, let's have a conversation here. You know, um, remember uh, when we were back in, uh, if you want to go back to seminary, and, um, and I think, you know, you, you would understand that, uh, that, that, that you are bigger than anything, and then you are eternal and all these things, and, and, and you don't need anything. He says, I, I need you. No, I know you want me, and I know that you love me, but you don't need me. And then he heard God's voice said, but I need you. And that leads me to this point. How does God need us and not need us at the same time? Number two, God decided to need you. 
God in his sovereignty decided to need you. He decided to partner with you, if you want to put it that way. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. He has created a, a place where you are a part. He needs you, and he co-ops with you, if you want to call it that. He co-ops with you. You become a part of what he's doing. Uh, he's, I don't, he's like, I don't need you to exist, but I need you to coexist with me in order to accomplish the things that I have to do. So God decided to need you and he decided to become a partner with you even to manage this earth. You want to go to the Bible? We'll see this in Genesis 2.19. This is the uh, Garden of Eden and God's creation. And even in the beginning, man was partnering with God. He was a part of the process with God. Uh, Genesis 2:19 it says, "Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky." So he created everything, right? And he brought them to the man, which some versions say Adam, so to Adam, uh, to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was his, its name. So, so God brought Adam to the creatures and whatever Adam called every living, living creature was their name. It didn't say God called them these things. It said Adam called them to these things. God could have named any of them. He could have brought Adam alongside of them and says, you know, over there, I, I created this animal right here and, and uh, this is a camel, Adam, and you know, I had a little fun with it. I made some with one hump and I ate others with two humps, you know, kind of kind of separate them a little bit, kind of had a little fun with that. And, and look at this animal. This is kind of a goofy looking animal. Let's just call it a, a hippopotamus. I mean, where does that come from, right? Uh, let's call it a hippopotamus. And, and he could have he done that, but he allowed Adam to actually make up those names, right? He allowed Adam to come up with those names. And God, God handled the supernatural part. And I think it's important for you to understand this. God handled the supernatural part. He created the things. But then Adam handled the natural part. Adam took a step into the natural part. God gave him his part. And what's interesting is, just as a side note, Adam was a genius. God created Adam as a genius. God made Adam as a genius. And before sin, there was an extreme capacity to know things, but sin entered the world and messed that up. And now men have become ignorant of a lot of things. And even sometimes men can be stupid and we invent our own gods and we invent our own things. But God created, he wanted to partner with man, not only to, to, to help with managing the creation of the world, but to actually have relationships with man and have dialogue with man because God is an intelligent being and he made man with intelligence. So God partnered with him in that way, in intellectual manager, uh, in, in intellectual ways. I mean, just just think for a second as, as God and Adam were together, and I can just see God staring at the sun. Look at the spectrum of that sun. Isn't it beautiful, Adam? And if Adam responded, uh, yeah, you know, I don't think that's what God would have intended for, for man. So God created man with intellect. He created him with a, a relationship to partner with him and do this thing together. I think it's interesting in the story of Jesus, if you turn to Mark uh, 6, 5, something interesting happened to here, kind of helped prove the point that God partnered, that God co-ops with us and it says this about Jesus he could do could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them 
So he could not do. The creator of the world could not do something. How does that work? The creator of the world. This is Jesus. This is one. In, in other scriptures, all over the Bible, he healed many. He healed everyone. I mean, he healed all over the place. But here in this particular area, uh, this particular town, this particular situation, he could not heal. Why? Because of unbelief. There was unbelief. Because God desires to partner with us, and he requires us to have what? Belief. Belief. God limited his unlimited power to our faith. And Satan knows this. You know that? Satan knows this. Let me go, let me go to uh, uh, Samuel um, 17, 1 Samuel 17. Is it 1 Samuel? Yeah, 1 Samuel 17. I didn't write 1 Samuel up here. I wrote Samuel. I don't know why I did that. So I'm like, Samuel 17. Samuel's probably back there. Hey, that's me. Right. Little boy in our, our uh, little Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, uh, uh, verse 4, and I skip to 7 to 10. And here you see uh, the popular story of Goliath and, and David, right? And it says, a champion named Goliath, who was of Gath, came out to the Philistine camp, and his height was six cubits and, and a span. That's translated, if you don't know, that's nine and a half foot tall. So we have this <laughs> giant man, this huge man, the Philistines send out, and they're challenging, challenging uh, uh, Israel, and they're, they're calling him out. It says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and, and, and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, you know? And are you not the servant of Saul? Choose a man. Choose a man. And have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, he will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become my subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And, I, and perhaps behind the scenes is what, what, what's going on in the spiritual realm is God and Satan. And this is just a thought, you know, like God and Satan are having this conversation and Satan says, I've got you. I've got you. Because there's no man with the kind of faith to stand up to my man. Because you've limited your unlimited power to people's faith, to people's uh, a trust in you. I, and I just, I got you. I got you. And you know what God said? God said, I don't have a man. I have a boy. And I'll put my boy up against your man any day. And my man, my, my boy doesn't even have armor, right? <laughs> he doesn't even have armor. And, and he's trained with a slingshot and he will take down your man. <laughs> God in his Unlimited power has the ability to use anybody and anything. So God partnered with David that day. God partners with people. And, and if you go throughout the Bible, you will see this. Even with women, he partnered often. Men, women throughout the Bible, he partnered with Mary, uh, uh, with, with the birth of Jesus, didn't he? He said, I'm, I'm going to, to, to uh, seed you with the, with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have the child. You're going to have the Messiah. And she said, be it unto me according to your word, right? So he partnered with her, with her. And number three is the question. So God decided to need us. The question is, have you decided to need God? 
Have you decided to need God? And I'm not talking about salvation here, guys. I'm talking about uh, a few things. Now, it's important for us to clarify, if you're here today, God did decide to reach out to you. And if, if, if you have that opportunity, you can reach out to him. And, and, and you need to decide in that manner to need him. Yes, that's true. But I'm not talking about salvation. I want to give you a few points here that kind of clarify what I'm talking about here. Number one, if you want to write that down, God's never going to do our part. So have you decided to need God? Because God's never going to uh, uh, do our part. I heard a story about a, a girl that was working in uh, children's ministry and, and she's like changing these diapers on these babies and these kids. And she's just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. She's praying to God, 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 just help me here. Help me, God, God, can you just, can you just change these diapers for me? Can you just do that right now? Because I just can't handle this. And she heard from the Lord. She heard directly from the Lord. And he says, I am the Lord. I change not. <laughs> <laughs> True story, actually. <laughs> God expects us to do our part. Amen. But our part is never supernatural. That's number two. Now, I want you to hear this. I want to clarify some things about faith today. I don't care what any teacher has, has taught you about you being supernatural. You're spiritual, but you're not supernatural. God's the only one that is supernatural. You're spiritual. You're connected to a supernatural God. But you and yourself are not supernatural. And that's great because when I pray for someone, if I called y'all up to the front here and I pray for someone, that relieves me a little bit because I know it's not within my own power. It's only by the power of God. It takes some things off of me, right? And if I pray for healing, I'm doing my part because I'm laying hands on him or her and I'm praying for him. That's my part, but God does the supernatural part. I'm not doing the supernatural part. I'm doing the natural part. Moses's part was not parting the Red Sea, correct? It was picking up the stick and holding it over it, right? God told him, pick up the stick, do this, you know, strike the rock, strike the whatever. He said to do that. That was his part. God handled the supernatural part. So that should relieve some of us today that, 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 that we have, that God has the supernatural part. The question is, are we doing our part? Because our part is never supernatural. Our part is always natural. The God part is the hard part. Ours is the easy part. And number three, our part comes first. Our part comes first. Well, doesn't God come first? Isn't God first? Yeah, theologically, yes. His attribute is he's first. He's above all, right? He's the first that loved us, right? He first loved us. So God is that. But God has already done his part. God has already set his part into motion. God's done his part. He's just waiting for you to do your part. Finish it, he says. Uh, step into it. Do your part. And uh, scripture always uh, says this too. I mean, anytime we look at, at God doing something supernatural, there's always somebody involved in the process. In fact, you could go all through scripture and look at every, every case, every place in scripture where God does something supernatural. And guess what? There's always Abraham, Noah, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, you can go right through it. David, you, all the way to Jesus and the disciples. There's always a partnership with God. 
Your part comes first, though. You've got to step out and meet God. God has already done his part. He says, uh, uh, you shall lay hands on them and they shall recover, right? What's your part? Lay hands on them. You, you, if you want your marriage to work, again, what do you do? You work on your marriage. Oh, God, you just fix it. Nope, you got to do your part. If, if you want to steward your money well, what's your part? God says, tells us, we tithe, we give, we're, 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 good, we're rich in our good deeds, as we talked about last week. That's our part. When we step out and do our part, guess what God does? God does something supernatural in our finances, in our life. He blesses us, right? That's what he does. If we steward our time well, hell, this is, this, did I say, I didn't mean to say that. I meant, I, yeah, <laughs> guys, that, that went the wrong direction there. I have some preacher friends that actually say that from, from stage, so I'm not, <laughs> they're influencing me a little bit here. <laughs> I'm trying to keep you guys from cursing, and, yeah, and I'm doing it from stage here. Okay. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was funny. That was on purpose because I had to wake y'all up a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that. I'm gonna call that. I didn't put my cord behind my back here, and it's driving me crazy today. Okay. If you don't steward your time, this is what I'm. This is what I was getting at. We talked about it in week one, and I, I, I got to hit this again because this is probably the biggest thing. I mean, outside of money, I mean, money probably is the biggest, but but time is is the second biggest, right? Because we're just so busy. We're so busy. If we don't steward our time well. God can't give us time back. He can't give us, he can't make us healthy and able to do the things that he's called us to do. Y'all are still laughing about that. <laughs> if you don't serve, then uh, it says this in scripture. If you don't serve others, if you don't serve, then you won't have the life that is truly life. That's what scripture shares with us. It's right there in the word of God to have the life that is truly life, be rich in our good deeds and serve others and go beyond where we are. And, and you will have the life that is truly life. You will experience a real life, a real life. I love the word real life. I love how the Bible uses real life. You will have that. And God has all of these attributes and none of them will be released unless you do your part. He's just holding back these blessings and these gifts and these things, but he's asking you to step up and meet him. He's already doing his part. You need to do your part. So that makes sense, Leon, but what's my next step? What's my next step? How do I do that? What is my part? How do I do my part? What, what does that look like? Well, let me just get a little practical with you in 1 Peter 4.10. It kind of shares with us a general scripture. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others, right? You have gifts. You've been endowed with gifts. You've been endowed with supernatural gifts, natural gifts, whatever it may be. As faithful stewards, there's that word stewards again, right? Not steward, steward, okay? <laughs> it's stewards of God's grace in its various forms, right? Right. So, so you are stewards of these gifts, just like you're stewards with your finances, just like you're stewards with, with, with other things, your time, you are stewards of these gifts. So we want to steward them well, right? As a church, we want to steward them well. We want to bring them together. So you need to ask yourself, you need to evaluate yourself. And I wrote a list of, of, of questions here just to kind of help guide you along as you think about what is God wanting me to be a part of? 
How do I fit into this big picture? How does my small self and, and all this, this big thing that God is doing, how does that work for me? Well, um, number one, uh, ref, you know, as you're reflecting and as you're evaluating, what is it about my situation that can be turned to a good advantage for the church? What do I have? What, what about my situation? Maybe you're you're wealthy and you're financially blessed, and that's something you can be a part of. Maybe you're really good at hands-on stuff, and that's something you can be a part of. Maybe you're good with, hello, numbers and plugging in numbers and finances and keeping up spreadsheets. Can I say that again? Keeping up with spreadsheets and you know things like that because I just really don't like that area of it. I have to do a lot of that. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's something you you have that you want to bring to the table. And what what do I have? What do I have? about my situation, whether it's in life or, or, or just whatever you have, and I can turn it into something good for the use of what God wants me to do in my family, in my church family, and for the broader kingdom context. What do I possess that can be used in the work of the body? What can I, what, 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 what can I possess? What do I possess? What do I have in my hands that, I, that can be used for the work of the body? What things do I get special satisfaction and fulfillment doing that perhaps I can bring to the table? You know, like a passion you have in life. What, what, what do you do? What, what is something you get special satisfaction and fulfillment doing? What things come naturally for me, right? Right? If you don't know your gift, there's some things that come really natural for you. It's pretty obvious, I'm, I'm sure, if, if you kind of assess it a little bit, there's some things that you're really good at that others aren't, aren't good at, and maybe that's something to bring to the table. And if I had an opportunity to learn, what would I like to learn? What would I like to learn? What, how could that benefit the church? How can that benefit God's kingdom? How can that benefit where we're going as, as a Christian movement? How does that work? The second thing you want to do outside of ask yourself is, 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 a, is a ask others. As you start evaluating these things, ask others because there's a lot of blind spots in your life you may not see. Somebody may see a gifting in you, something about you that could be beneficial for God, the kingdom of God, and for yourself and for life in general. So you need to ask others those things to kind of fill out our blind spots. Uh, read books. Books are a good opportunity to kind of uh, a way of kind of gaining information, just asking an, an author, you know, like <laughs> if so to speak and 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 see what their assessment is. There's there's assessments out there, you know, that, that, that people have created to help you to help you discover what it is that uh, you're gifted and able to do. We provide a growth track here. We've got some information here. If you want to discover your gifts, your passions, your, your personality type, uh, there's all kinds of things you could do to benefit the family, the team, if you want to call it that. The business world, y'all call them teams. You know, everybody brings a gift to the table. And the family of God, uh, you know, that was created by God himself. It's in the Bible, you know, our gifts and things like that. Ask others. Ask God. We need to ask God, right? Sometimes we forget to ask God. God, what, it is, what is it that you're asking me to do? And if you are tentative, um, uh, excuse me, attentive, not tentative. I don't want you to be tentative. I want you to be attentive <laughs> to what God says. You ask God. And uh, let me just say this. Some people, I'm, I'm going to do a series called uh, about hearing God the first of the year. 
just just how do we hear God? And I know that's a number one question for a lot of Christians in the world. And let me just give you like a, a little a little cheat sheet, you know, or a little preview of what's to come. Um, there's some practical ways you can hear from God. Number one, you know, you set up a quiet time and, you know, that's obvious. You've heard that over and over again. But what do you do in that quiet time? You start with worship. You get your head, your mind right. You get focused on what, get, get your mind off of all the things that are going around you because I know what's going on in your head because it goes on in my head, right? There's, I got to get this done, that done, that's what the kids, we, we got to go here, we got to go, go ball games, you know, we, we're just all over the place, right? We're just doing that. You get, you get focused on worship, get, 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 get open, open your heart, just get your mind and your heart and your, and, and, and just, just, just focus on worship, even if it's sitting still, just get that mind right, Right? And then you go into a time of prayer or, or prayer, just asking God to open your heart and just, we want, I want to listen to you. Then you go into the Word of God and you start reading the Word of God and just focusing on the Word of God. And this is the part that people don't do. They do that part, but they don't do, uh, some of you call it reflective journalism or whatever, or journaling. Um, uh, Chris does that a lot, just, just, just journaling and, 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 and writing things down just to kind of put your thoughts together. And that's a great thing. Um, but in, in, in the spiritual world, that, that's just listening to God. Just sitting down with a notepad or whatever you have and just, just taking time and, and write down what you think God is telling you. What is God telling me? And just keeping a journal, keeping a list. And I guarantee you'll start to hear God. You'll start to listen to God. Ask God. That's just something, side note. I wasn't even going to put that in my message. I just wanted to share that with you. You need to ask God. You need to go to God. You need to go to God. And then fourthly, you need, you need to step out and try. You got to step out. <laughs> That's the biggest part. How, how, do I, how do I step out and try once I figure out, you know, you don't have to get it right right away, Right. <laughs> I mean, the disciples didn't get it right right away, right? <laughs> you know, God trained them, brought them out. They did things. He brought them back. He says, that was wrong. Let's switch that. Let's try it again. Uh, don't, don't act that way, Peter. Don't curse that way, Paul, uh, uh, Peter. It was always Peter in, the mo in most cases. But the other guys did it too. Just, they just got overshadowed by Peter because Peter was making so many mistakes because he was so passionate and so, so uh, uh, forthright about things. And, but, but God wants us to do, what, what, what can I do? How do I step out? How do I step out? Some of you are asking that. There's, there's many ways you can step out. Um, number one, step out and, 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 and join a small group maybe just to, to get connected to people. Start a small group maybe. Maybe God's telling you, I need to teach. I need to, I need to connect with people and teach more. Well, maybe that's an opportunity for you to start a small assault group. You, know? you don't have to get it right. You'll have guidance. Maybe that's something. Join Join... Apart, do something with the church. Join a team in the church. You know, step out. That, that's a good first step. I believe that the local church is a great launching pad, the perfect launching pad for what you're going to do throughout eternity, right? We're helping train and equip you to do what you were meant to do, what you, to do what you were created to do. Amen? That's what the church's purpose is, to equip the saints for, for, for the uh, working of the ministry and the kingdom of God, right? Yes. Step out and try. What does the church not have that I can do? That's a good one. 
And what, what, what am I capable of doing? What, what is the church? What do we have as a church that I'm not I'm not feeling because they're, they're, if you're not doing what you're called to do in the church and the church is messed. And I'm just not I'm not talking about salt church. I'm talking about the church as a whole here. If you're not doing what you're called to do, there's something missing that God wants you to do and wants to do through the church that you're not feeling that place to do. What does God want me to do? And in closing, I, I want to say this. Doesn't it, doesn't it seem a bit strange that, that, that one man sinned and the whole world uh, was condemned? I know I'm kind of switching here. You know, some of us say, you know, that's, that's not really fair. Theology 101 uh, tells us that, you know, right? If we go into a Christian beginnings class or a new Christian believing class, we know that the whole world has, has fallen because of one man, right? His name is Adam. And that just doesn't, in the sovereignty of God, understanding God and, 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 and that part of it, that, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, right? Right? It's just unfair. And some of you won't say that here because you're in church, you know, you won't question it. <laughs> but when you get in your car later on, you're going to be like, uh, no, that's a bit unfair. I just, I just don't know why God would allow, allow us to, to be in this condemnation or whatever you want to call it because of, uh, obviously there's no condemnation in Christ, but you know what I mean, in this sinful state because of one man. Goliath chose one man, right? Or, or, or one man stepped out, right? And we see that in Scripture. But here's what I want you to understand about that symbolism of, of David and Goliath. I, wa I want you to understand this, that whether you feel like it's unfair or not unfair, it only took one man to make it all right. It took one man for it all to fall apart, but it took one man to make it right. Just one man. And I can imagine Satan having that conversation about David and Goliath up in heaven. He's, he's like, you know, and he says, you know what? I'm not only going to use that man. He says, I, you, you take any man. I, I can see Satan say, you take any man, you take any man, and you put him in there, and, and it will not work the way you want it to. He says, well, I'm going to take Jesus. He said, oh, oh no, that, that's not a man. He said, well, well, then we'll make him a man. We'll make him a man. And one man said it all right. One man partnering with the Father. And he partnered with the world. <laughs> and though the world was condemned, the world through him might what? Might live. Might be saved. Depending on the translation you read. One man. What's my part? What's my part? What's my part? Let's pray. Father, we always want to stop and take an opportunity, Lord, for your Holy Spirit just to do his work. Holy Spirit, just, just begin to speak to our hearts. Speak to everybody's heart in here as, as they hear the word of this, words of this message. As we think about our part, 
And perhaps for some of you here, as we stand in spirit of just listening to God, maybe your part is just to take that first step towards Jesus. Maybe that's you. I haven't really made a decision for Jesus. I haven't done my part. Yeah, he's already done the work, but I haven't really done my part. I haven't accepted him. I haven't made, I haven't took that first step in the work that he's already done. And for others of you, it's just I haven't really taken the next step. I've taken the first step, but I have not taken the next step. And I'm really missing out on what God has for me. I'm really missing out on that. So today, in the name of Jesus, as we pray, as the Holy Spirit's working today, there are some of you here that we, need, we really need to take that first step. And if that's you, I want you, it says there's stuff that says, he who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's your part. He who confesses and believes and commits their life to him will be saved. That's your part. If you would just do that with me, if that's you today, Father, I believe that you are the son of God. I'm taking the next step. You died on the cross. I'm believing and I'm calling on your name today. Come into my life. Rescue me and make me one of yours so that I can walk this out into eternity. And for those of you here still with eyes closed, if that's if, if it's you in the other category saying, I just need to take the next step. God, uh, show me, help me. I want to listen to you. I'm going to begin to take the first steps into knowing my purpose. And I'm going to do that with, with a boldness and an understanding that you've got it all going. You got it all worked out, Lord Jesus. And you've already done the work, but I'm going to meet you halfway because you chose to need me. And your voice says, you need me. You need me. He's calling out to you. He needs you today. You need me, Lord, so I am here. As, as, as Samuel was in the room and he heard the voice of the Lord, here I am, your servant hears. Your servant hears. Take that step. God, we just thank you for all you do in our church. We thank you that you are changing lives, that you are seeding the gospel in hearts even now. And we are looking for amazing things to come out of this, just, just this one service here because you are doing a mighty work.